Shavuot. Uh, we end up with a very small group here in, at our house in our basement this, this time. Uh, a lot of things going on in people's lives, uh, people in various places. But uh, it, was, it was an amazing afternoon, uh, just enjoying the presence of the Almighty. Watching, I, I guess the greatest thing for me is watching the growth in people. And uh, we definitely have that in our, in our congregation. So um, pray you had a, a good, you know, an amazing time also. Uh, speaking of amazing time, I'm just going to go ahead and figure that it's going to be this weekend, this Shabbat, Friday and Shabbat. I'll be working with Barry Phillips in Bassett, Virginia. If you'd like information on that, I'd love to see. I'm going to, I know a number of people that are coming from House of David and uh, looking forward to seeing them, of, of course, and working with Barry. It's been a long time since Barry and I have done a conference together. And I don't know that we've ever actually just done uh, just me and him speaking. So it's going to be good. Bassett, Virginia, that's uh, uh, somewhere around. It's pretty close to, to Barry's old stomping ground where he grew up. Grassy Creek, Martinsville area. So uh, I'm, I'm sure by now they've probably put the welcome uh, home of Barry Phillips sign somewhere up there. I don't know. We'll see. All right. This week we're going to get into the Torah portion of, uh, of the Midbar, Numbers uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 21. And uh, remember again that this the, the first um, chapters of this, was the first 10 chapters uh, are about a 20-day period. So a lot is going on in this time frame with the Hebrews as they prepare for this their, their wilderness experience, their journey from, uh, that is continuing on from the, uh, the, their time in Egypt all the way to the promises. And there's so much prophetic, I think, that we can look at. I'm going to be bringing out something, I think it's in next week's Torah portion, about the inverted noons. At least that is my plan. And so, uh, stay tuned for that. Because if we, it, as we're looking at, at Bamidbar, uh, consider this, that there is some prophetic significance here to what we're walking out today. That that which, has, that which we are going to be reading about that happened to them will happen to us. We're going to have to deal with our Korahs that are wanting to take us back to Egypt. We're going to have to deal with the Baliks and the Balaams and, and um, all the things that they dealt with during their time. Remember, uh, as we, we began this, we go back to the verses of Corinthians, that these things are given to us as prefigurative historical events to teach us what to do? Yes. And what not to do? Yes. So it begins with uh, talking about the Gershon families and, and a number of other families here. But I want to key in on a couple of words here. The Gershon families are to be responsible for serving. It goes on from there. You can read those words. And I, I guess this bears a question what are you responsible for as we walk through this time of exile? 
this time of the diaspora, this time of uh, going from our own redemption and walking toward the kingdom. What are you, what am I responsible for? I mean, I, I guess that it would be uh, a little bit more obvious, pretty obvious for, for me. Uh, I'm responsible at this moment in time for four different videos that I do for, uh, for teaching and pastoring uh, assembly here, for traveling, as I will be doing this week. It's, maybe it's you know, really, really obvious uh, for people looking at what, you know, where I'm at in this. But does that mean that you're not responsible for anything? Absolutely not. Uh, give you an example. Those of you that uh, you, know, you know, you know our family. You know my wife, uh, Kathy, and she's not on video. She doesn't want to be on a video. I've a couple times tried to get her to come in, and she's like, "No, it, that's your that's your thing," um, and that's not her that's not her area. That's not her expertise. She's not the one that's going to be standing up teaching. She uh, will will give as she did this past weekend a, a time of testimony or various things. But uh, her her responsibility is to keep the, the the office running, to keep our home running, to do all those things. And so there's a lot of people that are behind the scenes. So what is your responsibility in this? Well, for those of you that uh, uh, have been so amazing in your generosity to support this ministry, uh, maybe we could say that's part of your responsibility. Uh, what about those that, and I know of, of many that have, have emailed me, have sent a card and say, we pray for you guys daily. Uh, maybe that's your responsibility. And though it may not be something that, you know, you don't get your, your name at the end, uh, when it comes up on the credits of, now, uh, Yaakov Rice is the one that uh, has the intro with the shofar and, and Lenny Harris of the blessing. Uh, you don't get your, you know, everybody's names there at the end. But that does not make you any less significant. We are all responsible for something. And I believe that there are a lot of people that are called to responsibilities that they have, they've never really figured it out. They've never spent any time asking the Father, what do you want me to be responsible for in this time of the, our, our travel through the diaspora, through, through our own exile, through our own wilderness experience? i uh, give you an example. Life Assembly. Uh, I'm spoiled rotten. Absolutely spoiled. I get there a little early. I usually set up everything, most of the, the things, just because I do like to get there early, spend a little bit of time uh, before people get there. But uh, as soon as you know we're done and, and the, the final amens and the final blessings and all of those things, uh, I usually try to spend some time with, with different people. And I look up, and the next thing I know, everything, we have our manure that we light, um, Kathy is is very uh, part of her responsibility is is for the kids uh, to make sure that there's some toys and so she has a bag of toys and every week she puts in new books takes some out uh, puts in some new toys takes some out re, you know rotates those uh, we have uh, we have a, a little carpet area 
And so the next thing that I know is everything's put in the car. It's all done. Uh, we have someone that's brought a vacuum and is, is cleaning up. And, and I'm just standing around going, this is amazing. To watch people who, have, who, have, who understand the concept of being responsible for something. I want to urge you, if you have a congregation, if you're part of a congregation, what do you do? Is there something you do? Or you, you just show up, you know, kind of, you know, last minute and, uh, and then leave first and leave all the work to everybody else? Or are you looking for things? To, hey, could I take the trash? Does anybody need some help with anything? Are you looking to do something? It comes back to the very word of service. We should be walking in to our congregations, to our meetings this weekend. Uh, I'm myself, Barry. We're responsible for the teaching. Barry will be responsible, I'm sure, for some of the, for the, uh, at least some of the music. I'm not sure what uh, what his sister Leanne has uh, going on for us. But that doesn't mean that I just walk in and say, "Okay, I'm here," and you guys are, you know, you're supposed to serve. I'm going to be looking for things. Uh, do we need some ch- extra chairs put out? What what do we need to have done? And this is a place that each one of us needs to be looking. I mean, what did Yeshua say? Did he say, you know, the, the, the person that wants to be the greatest in the kingdom should be the one that, uh, that seeks to teach everybody? No, he didn't say that. What did he do? He said, he said to be the servant. I, I remember being in Sukkot a number of years ago. And it was the, you know, we had to, there was the tear down and, and, um, I looked over and one of the large tents had a bunch of chairs that need to be put up. And I, so I grabbed a, a few guys and we start putting up chairs. And I noticed some other people, uh, I won't mention what their place was, but uh, I said, hey guys, how many of you want to be great in the kingdom? They're, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, come over and put some chairs up. Uh, it's amazing how fast they left that area. I didn't see them the rest of the day. See, that's what we should be doing. Gershon, the family of Gershon, the families of Merari, all of these families had things that they were to do. You and I have things that we are to do. Now, a really sharp curve here is when we go over to chapter 5, it then talks about order the people of Israel to expel from the camp Everyone who has zarat, everyone with a discharge, and whoever is unclean because of touching a corpse. So there comes a time in uh, in our our congregational settings that, I, as difficult as it is, and I've I've had to go through this. I've never had to go through it with life assembly, but there's been places along the way when I was pastoring. There was. There was uh, a couple of times I had to ask people to leave. I had to strongly request them to leave. Uh, Why? Because they're bringing uncleanliness into our camp. When someone comes in, um, and it's, you know, it'd be pretty obvious to, uh, 
to say, well, you know, they're engaged in this kind of a sin, and we read about that as Paul was was correcting the Corinthians regarding some things that were going on they were putting up with. We see this in Revelation with the the letters to the seven congregations, the seven seven kahal, uh, that, you know, you have put up with people in your congregation that you should have told you need to leave. You need to either repent or you need to, there's the door, one of the two. There are times that we have to make that decision. I had that uh, at a, uh, a meeting. I'll just say it in very generic terms. A meeting that I was, I was at, uh, been a little while ago, say it in very generic terms. But there was a, uh, a person there that was causing division. They were not showing up for any of the meetings. They were not showing up for, uh, for anything. They weren't doing anything except sitting under a shelter and kind of dra- drawing people in. Anyone that would walk by, they'd kind of draw people in and then poison them to everything that was going on in the meeting, generic terms. Uh, I finally sat down with the, the leader and said, listen, uh, this is not my place. I'm not the one here that's, that's an authority here. You are. But I can tell you this, that unless you tell that person to leave, it, it's not, well, we're going to ask. No, you're leaving here unless you repent from what you're doing. You change your attitude. You change what you're doing. You change the fact that you're leading people uh, into areas of deception. Unless you repent, there's the door, and I will escort you out of it. Well, they ended up doing that. Why? Because we need to be protecting our camps. Each time that you come into a conference, as I will be doing this weekend, in your congregation... In your family, okay, every one of us that has a family has a place to shepherd. And what is the job description of a shepherd? It is not to make the sheep feel good. No, that's not the purpose. The purpose of a shepherd is, number one, top of the list, protect the sheep. In order to protect the sheep, you must protect the field that the sheep are in. And so a shepherd is always on the lookout for wolves. Uh, I, it was, uh, I heard a, a statement the other day. Uh, I think that uh, Barry Phillips made this. I was, uh, we did not have a uh, Shabbat service. We had Shavuot. So I got to actually you know, listen to other people instead of listening to my own voice, which is kind of nice sometimes to, to listen to somebody else's voice. But, um, you know, we, it's the, the sheep and the goats. We are to embrace sheep. We are to tolerate goats in the hope that they will repent from their rebellious, stubborn nature and be transformed into sheep. But we are to never tolerate a wolf. Wolves cannot 
be changed into sheep. I, I guess that that's a, a broad statement, and yes, the Almighty, I, I guess that now that I say that, uh, he has the ability to transform even a wolf into a sheep. But as long as they are in that, sh- that wolf nature, they should never be tolerated it to any extent. So we are to expel from the camp, but then there is a process for restoration. We see this process in verse 7. First of all, it begins with confession. I, I've talked about I haven't talked about this for a while. Uh, someone comes to you and says, forgive me. Okay. The next question, the next thing we should ask is, for what? Well, well just forgive me. No, that's not biblical. Just saying, uh, forgive me, is not a biblical uh, example of restoration and forgiveness. It is confession. Well, what am I forgiving you for? Because maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know what this person has done. I don't know if they were talking behind my back. Because if they were... Uh, I need to know what they said. I need to know who they said it to. I need to know what the subject matter is so that we can now repair that. Because if, if, if they were, you know, on, uh, on Shabbat afternoon, uh, having roast pastor for, you know, for, uh, for Oneg, which has happened to me in the past, but if that's what they're doing and they're stirring division, and they just kind of come and go, oh, you know, Mike, forgive me for what I've done. What, what, what is it? Because there may be some, some repair that needs to be done. So there is no forgiveness. I mean, look at the words of the Gospels when Yeshua said, if you, uh, if you go to an altar, if you bring your sacrifice, but you have something against your brother, you've done something to your brother, go to your brother and make amends. Go to them, figure it out. And there's no, there, there's no shortcut to this. I think that one of the greatest disservices that has been done is the so-called sinner's prayer. Just a very quick few words. I'll say them for you. And you just say amen at the end. Sign here on the paper. Forgiveness. Redemption. There is a process. Yeah, we can lead people. But in the end, they must take responsibility for their own actions, for their sins. We need to be in this this, this for the long haul. Of People may need to spend some time just before the Father himself and going through the things of their lives and coming clean of things that they have done. So there can truly be redemption. The person is then to restore. Now, this is easy, I guess, if you, uh, you know, you, you saw some, some money, uh, you were at someone's house, I, I doubt anybody here would do this, but you were, you saw it, you, you were at someone's house and there's a $20 bill laying there and you decide to, to put that $20 bill in your pocket and you steal it, okay? 
Uh, you come under some conviction later on, and you go to the person and say, yeah, I'm really sorry, I, I, I don't know what came over me. Yeah, I do. I just was being stupid. Uh, so you say to the person, here's your $20. No, you, you don't just bring forth the minimum. No, there, there needs to be an adding to it. And the scripture tells us uh, of what that restitution is. Was it twenty percent? Add twenty percent, and give it to the victim of the sin. But but how do we do that? I mean, well, let's take it to the to the place of uh, of you know you you gossiped against someone. How do you make restitution for that? How how do you what do you do? See, gossip is is like the old adage of uh, uh, someone, uh, this is, I can't remember what the context of this, but someone said, uh, I heard this parable, that someone came to a person and said, I've been gossiping against you and I'd like your your forgiveness. And the person said, okay, well, I, I forgive you, but here's what I want you to do, is I want you to take a pillow and I want you to go uh, the down pillow. Okay, remember the, goo, the old feather pillows? Um, not these these newfangled things that that's, they're toxic. But uh, I want you to take a pillow, and I want you to go up on top of that hill over there. And I want you to, to, to cut the pillow open and shake all the feathers out. Okay, fine. Well, I come back, and I, I did that. I did that. And the person said, okay, now go back and pick up all the feathers. When we sin against someone, the easy thing, well, just forgive me. No, what are you going to do? Are you going to really understand what you've done? When we speak against someone, do we really understand what we've done to them? That, that let's, let's take, I mean, I, I think gossip is something that, well, it, it's not in, in church and, and, you know, and, uh, uh, congregational settings, it's, it's, it's never called gossip. It's called sharing prayer requests. I've, I don't like, I personally do not really like prayer chains. I know that there are some that use them. Uh, so the, the, some of our ladies, ladies of life is what they call their, their texts. Uh, but those things, you got to be careful with those. Very, very careful. You don't just add someone to that prayer chain without speaking to the group. And that group should have a responsible leader. So, you know, someone comes and visits next Shabbat and, uh, you know, they, they, everybody likes them. And, hey, by the way, we've got a, uh, we've got, you know, this text group that we, we run and, and uh, can I add you to that? No, 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 no. You, you need to be careful. You need to hold off. Figure out who this person is. They may look like a sheep, but they're really a goat. Or they may look like a sheep and they're really a wolf. And then all of a sudden, you're putting personal information out to someone that nobody really knows. And they start sharing it in other places with other people. How do you get those feathers back in the pillow? We need to have wisdom when we do these things. Now, another very sharp curve. The, the, these, these chapters of, of Bamidbar 
have some light. Okay, well, we're going in that direction. No, let's go over here. And in chapter 6, it is the uh, the Netzer, or what is uh, the, the Nazarite vow, in, uh, is how it's translated. But the Netzer, uh, there is no way today for anyone to take a Nazarite vow. I, I do know uh, of someone who did a, a, a part of this, okay, that's fine. I uh, have no problem with that. There is some specific things regarding this that you can read about in, um, in chapter 6, starting the first verses here. But with our culture, um, I was talking to this person about, you know, when it says of anything that has uh, even grape skins or the seeds or, you know, this goes to uh, some types of vinegar and then that goes to ketchup or to various places. I mean, it is difficult, but the truth is, it is not, that's not the part that makes it not possible for us today. What makes it not possible is that there is no temple. So, without a temple, you may have a type of a Netzer vow, but you cannot have a biblical Netzer vow. Does that mean that we just kind of throw this away? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, there, there is a concept here. And to understand this concept, let's go back over to Genesis chapter 49. And the first time that this word actually appears in Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 49 in verse 26. These are the words of Yaakov spoken unto Yosef, Joseph. And skipping down to the last part, it says, The blessings of your father are more powerful than the blessings of my parents. Extending to the farthest of the everlasting hills, they will be on the head of Yosef, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. Uh, this David Stern translates it quite a bit different than others. But in that last statement where it says, The brow of the prince among his brothers is actually the word Netzer, which is, or uh, Nazer. It is the, uh, the concept that Joseph was separated from his brothers for a time. So this word and this vow is about being separated. We could say that if you decide to take, have a time of fasting, it is a type of, of the Nazir, Nazir, I, I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. It is a type of Nazir vow. Anytime that we decide to separate, so it uh, there's scriptures in, uh, in in Paul's writings, Shaul's writings, about a husband and wife uh, taking a time of separation. This is the same concept as this vow. But what is what is it here? What, are, what, what am I trying to get to? That if you look at this, it is a, there, there is, this vow 
is something of seriousness. It's not that, you know, we, we should not just, and I think there's times that we need to separate ourselves from various things, maybe, you know, uh, media, whatever it is that we, we decide. There's times to separate ourselves for a purpose. But, you know, uh, I've been guilty of this. Well, let's do a, you know, let's do a 10-day fast. Well, about three days into it, I, I you know, I've, I've, I've come to the place of understanding everything. I don't need to do the rest of it. Yeah, well, and maybe I should have prayed through that more to begin with. Maybe instead of a 10-day fast, I should have sought the Father about what He wanted, and maybe it should have been a three-day fast. So when we make these vows, and this is, you know, Yeshua talks about this in, uh, in Matthew specifically, that our, our vows should be serious. Our yes should be yes. Our no should be no. We should be people of our word. If we say something to someone, we should come through with that. Not just, well, you know, I, I, I think God changed his mind on this. No, uh, we just didn't take that seriously. Now, that takes us to where I want to pretty much camp out for the next 20 minutes, and that is the Aaronic Blessing. I I think everybody has has heard this. Uh, I do not have, when in the the ending tag of my Living Torah is the Blessing by uh, Lenny Harris, and he has graciously given me the permission to use uh, that for the for our for our programming, uh, maybe I don't have the English there, so maybe people have been listening to that and going, "I don't know what that is." Well, here it is, folks. It's right here in Numbers chapter six, starting in verse twenty-four, and it is the ironic blessing. Now, there is a thought out there that since it says, "Yudevave uh, said to Moshe, speak to Aaron and his sons and tell them." that this is how you you are to bless the people of Israel, you are to say to them, and it goes on, that it is only the sons of Aaron, that it is only the Levitical priesthood that is allowed, is instructed to give these words of blessing unto the people. Uh, if, if that is your conviction, I, I'm, I'm all for that. That's fine. But understand, that's not my conviction. Because I believe that in this day, uh, we do not have an active Levitical priesthood. That's pretty obvious. We do not have a temple. And so, without a temple, the Levitical priesthood cannot be functioning. But what do we have today? We have people as is in the, uh, I think this would be the five-fold ministry that Paul was, was talking about, of the, uh, uh, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. We have people that are, they're not Levites. I do not say to anyone that I am a Levite. But in this place in the diaspora, uh, this place outside of the kingdom, this place in exile, uh, part of my duty, part of my calling, is that of uh, what the priesthood is, of leading people, instructing people 
in the ways of the Almighty. Uh, there's, you know, I'm going this this coming, well, this, this past weekend, um, I was with our congregation in a pastoral setting. I was teaching, so I was in a teaching setting. Uh, this coming weekend, I will be going to another another community, another place, and will be in an evangelistic setting. Uh, there are people that call me. I have various congregations and, and people that uh, look unto me for apostolic gui- guidance and leadership. Uh, there's times that I will speak a, a prophetic word into people's lives. That's not just me. It's, uh, it's various other people that are out there. And so there is, though we are not Levitical priesthood, there is the office. What, what is the priesthood about? The priesthood is about is a people who are called to help the congregation called Israel in their service and worship unto the Almighty. So, uh, I have no problem. In every week, um, I do, at Life Assembly, I do the ironic blessing. Uh, various places that I will go to, that I, I will speak the, the words, the ironic blessing over people. Now, here's the... Um, uh, and and I'd be glad to when the you know when the temple is is rebuilt and uh, Messiah is seated upon a throne and and uh, there's the Levitical priesthood and yes the as the book of Ezekiel does say that that's going to happen so uh, these words are going to be spoken are they going to be spoken by Messiah himself or will the the priesthood speak those well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens on that one. But it says, and I'm going to skip down to verse 27. In this way, you are to put my name on the people of Israel so that I will bless them. Um, the, the word name, the word Shem, is uh, it's very simple. In, in Hebrew, it's a sheen and a closed mim. Now, the sheen, of course, is the, the, the three, uh, it's, it's like three points on it. Uh, it's like three fingers, okay? And we, again, going back to Israel, if you were to look toward the city of David from the Haas Promenade, you would see these these three valleys that form the sheen and so much teaching about El Shaddai and the, the one who provides. And, uh, I mean, it goes on and on from there. But, uh, so, the the name is first of all about his fingerprint upon us and then the mim which is the letter of that uh, is is about water so literally the word water is is mime and has two mims in it it begins and ends with with mime again we go into a lot of different teaching on there i don't have time for that today but if um Considering that this is a closed mem, uh, water, when we, we think about water, it's, first of all, that the, the waters are thought to be chaotic, okay? But with a closed mem, it's more of like a, a lake, uh, a sea. It's like the borders around, so it's an enclosed body of water. And uh, here, let's go to another level here. That in a a lake, okay, let's let's just take the Sea of Galilee, 
All right. There's no word for in Hebrew for lake versus sea. It's it's all the same word. So the Mediterranean and the Canaret are the same wording in Hebrew. Uh, there's things hidden there. When you look at the the water, all you see is the surface. But what is hidden? Kathy and I have been watching uh, a couple of things uh, lately on uh, uh, one of the the channels about the the World War II ships. That there's uh, a group of people that are now going out and trying to find the wreckage of those. And we've you know you've seen things like the Titanic. Uh, you, you could you could float over the Titanic for you know from now till Kingdom Come, literally, and you don't know what's under there. Uh, you don't know the treasures that are there. Some of these ships that were sunk during uh, the time of, of Pearl Harbor and World War II and, and you know, going back to uh, the pirate ships and all this. What is hidden in the waters just off the coast? You, you go to the beach and you walk, you, you walk out into the water a little bit. What's hidden? Well, <laughs> you're hoping it's not Jaws. But uh, you're, what's, what's underneath that sand? Who lost a valuable diamond ring under that sand? Who lost a, a, a necklace that was a locket, uh, treasures from, that had been passed down for, for, for years and years through their family? And you're just walking along knee-deep in water, not knowing the treasures that are under you. Uh, when I was, uh, I, I remember going to Shiloh, Shiloh, uh, where the tabernacle stood for 369 years. And just an example, there's, of those who have been there, there's that, uh, that one structure. And it was just, you know, we we're walking around that structure all over the place, not knowing that literally inches below our feet were these beautiful mosaics. Uh, Hayavel was was able to go into Shiloh and and just just feet underneath the sand that we were walking on, the dirt that we were walking on were were uh, were houses, were uh, wine presses, all kinds of things. What is under? So what's the message here? That the we may in the word Shem, it is about that we see his hand. We see his fingerprint in creation itself, in our own bodies. I mean, the, the, the scripture says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, I was talking with someone recently about this whole thing that the, the, the name yud heh is in our DNA. It, the coding is in our DNA. It's, it's overwhelming what the Father has done to show his fingerprint upon us, upon his creation. But yet, there's things that are hidden. And in Deuteronomy, and also in Proverbs, it talks about that it is the king's pleasure to hide things. Why? So that we may have this wonderful opportunity to dig things out. What are we doing as we go through the Torah uh, as we go through the scriptures, as you read, I've been going through Psalms recently, uh, as we read on a daily basis, as we should, what are we finding? 
This book, this is the most amazing book that has ever been and will ever be on planet Earth. Why? Because of the treasures that are there. Oh, we can, we can look and we can see all through Scripture his fingerprint upon history. His fingerprint upon the future. The prophecies. We see, uh, you know, can a nation be born in a day? And then 1948 happens. There it is. There's his fingerprint. All of these things. But yet, that's just what we see. How much is hidden? And this is what I, I just, to me, the, the kingdom, as I think about the kingdom, there's so many things about it that are so amazing. But what I look forward to in the kingdom is the one who is the book, revealing the book to us. The treasures. The treasures that are going to be revealed in that day. Leviticus. I think Leviticus, what, those, those Torah portions about the Zerat and the mold and the mildew and all of those things that, that people have just kind of skimmed over, glossed over, those are probably going to be the Torah portions that are going to go, I cannot believe what was really here. As we, stand, as, as we sit there in amazement over the depth of these words. The word name. The, the meaning of the name is uh, his reputation, his fame, his glory. Uh, many have, have, have brought forth that is, it, it means his breath and authority. So when we, it's not just for the, these people that have gotten so involved in how do you pronounce the name? We can... Nobody knows, all right? Nobody knows until someone produces for me a recording of Moshe himself pronouncing the name, I don't know. And could it be that in the end, we're going to pronounce the name a little different? That if you've got a northern accent as opposed to my southern accent, that we're going to pronounce it a little bit different. That's fine. I, I'm, I'm okay with it. But if you get so tied up in the pronunciation of the name that you forget about the person of the name, I believe this is what the commandment of not using his name in vain is on one level speaking of. His breath, his authority. So when we look at Jeremiah sixteen nineteen, I, I gave that to someone just yesterday. In the last days, the, the nations will come and say, Our fathers inherited lies and worthless things, idols. And it says, I will teach them to know my name. What part are we looking at? What part are we focusing on? Are, are, are people focusing on well, all these lies? Or are they focusing on he's teaching me his name, his personality, his glory, his reputation, his, his breath, his authority? That's what I want to focus on. And see, this, this word, I mean, this is something for, for me that is kind of personal, of Isaiah chapter 56, verse 6. The foreigner, 
the foreigner who joins themselves to Yudhe to serve him, to love the name of Yudhe and to be his workers, all who keep Shabbat and do not profane it. To love his name is, is not just that I, I, I go around writing his name everywhere. No, is to love his reputation, is to love his fame, his glory, to love his breath, to love his authority, which is to love, to fall head over heels in love with the instructions of life that he has given to us that will bring us into relationship with him through the Messiah. That's all wrapped up in loving his name. Now, so let's let's look at these words. Evarekach Adonai Ishmarekah. Ya'er Adonai Panavileka Vikoneka. Isa Adonai Panavileka Vishem Lakai Shalom. In English it's translated, May Adonai bless you. I know that the word is Yudhevave. May Yudhevave bless you. May Yudhevave keep you, make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Yudhevave lift up his face toward you and give you shalom or peace. I want to take you to, uh, as, as I've done, and I think I do this every year, and that's fine, to a translation by Jeff Binner. Uh, Jeff Binner has a, uh, I, I've never met Jeff, but I know of him, and uh, when it comes to Hebrew, he is, in my book, one of the, should, probably one of the most trusted uh, resources out there. If you want his website, it's ancient-hebrew. Uh, Dot .org I think it is. So uh, ancient-hebrew you can put in there something similar to that in a search and put Jeff Benner B E N N E R it'll bring it up. So Jeff uh, did a transliteration out of out of paleo Hebrew on this and I just love this. This is so, uh, so amazing. That this is what these words when someone speaks these words over you this is what it means. He who exists will kneel before you presenting gifts and will guard you with a, with a hedge of protection. He who exists will illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you, bringing order, and he will beautify you. He who exists will lift up his, the wholeness, will lift up his wholeness of being and look upon you, and he will see in... And he will give in place all you need to be whole and complete. My picture on my phone is, to, it cuts out the right side, so I have to put in the words there. Uh, so let me get that last one. He who exists will lift up his wholeness of being and look upon you, and he will put in place all you need to be whole and complete. Everything that is needed for our lives is within those words. Everything that we need in life is within the words of this blessing. I think this is a blessing that we should all learn. Maybe you have a hard time learning it in Hebrew. Uh, It took me years to to be able to recite this in Hebrew uh, from memory. But you can learn it in English. And for your congregation, for your family, for those that you are shepherding, For those you're responsible for, these would be words to speak over them. 
The and I've, I've told this story. I think I tell this story every time, every year, but it's worth saying again. What struck me most in the reading of these words the first time was, "He who exists will kneel before you, presenting gifts." And it just was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the Almighty is going to kneel before me. And then I remembered, as I traveled, uh, as I was traveling a lot when our children were young, uh, I would walk in the door. And I always brought them something. And they, you know, at first they'd come up and I got this with our grandchildren now. Did you bring me something? Uh, excuse me, hello first? Uh, hug first? Uh, I love you first? Something like that? You know, that sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I would always have uh, whatever it was I was bringing. I'd have it behind my back as, as a good dad would, right? A good grandfather would, you know, you just do things like this because it's in our DNA. And uh, I would have it behind my back. And I would always kneel down. I would always go to their level to give them the gift. What is this meaning? What's the words of this blessing meaning? That the Father will come to our level to present us with what we need for this life. And that's the essence of Messiah himself, that he came to our level to give to us that which we need for our life, which is first restoration, redemption, and then it's a complete package of a new way of life, a new lifestyle, instructions to keep us out of of slavery, our daily bread, giving us this day. All of those things are within this. And um, the next verse then is the tabernacle. So it goes right in from this. I will give you what you need, which is in plain sight a revelation of myself, but there are things that are hidden that you must find. Out of time. Shabbat Shalom, Shavua Tov. Have a blessed, prosperous week. Bezrat Hashem. God willing, see you again next week. If you're in the area around Bassett, please come. Love to see you. Until then, until next week.